I'm Nadine, and this is part of my story. I have uh, nieces and nephews that are older that are having children and having problems. So um, I saw this little baby that was born to my nephew and to a girlfriend that was taken away. And my niece was going to raise her, but it ended up being um, she didn't want her. She was telling people she didn't want her. She's and. I told her, well, I could take her a couple days a week, and but they brought her over to visit with me, and she wasn't um, bonding with anyone. So I said, let me hold her. I want to hold her. So I, hold, I held her. She looked at me, and she smiled, and she cooed. And I, I saw her life pass before me, and it was not a very good life. So I had to do something. I, I, I just told my niece I will take her four days a week, and then it ended up being that she, she just dropped off one day and said, I can't do it, and she's became mine full time. The first six weeks was really hard because she's... Um, She's a meth baby, and there was nights that I didn't have any sleep, that I was up every hour, on the hour. And she, it was it was hard. I thought I was crazy. I says, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? Me and my daughter always, always make sure that she's okay, that she's fed. And even when I'm at work, I think about Bella. I wonder what she's doing. I wonder this. I wonder if they changed her. I wonder if they fed her, you know, at daycare. We have a, a lot of fun with her. We go shopping. We go out to eat. You know, we get more older people say, oh, how cute your granddaughter is. <laughs> you know, she likes she likes to take my time. She likes to play, wants somebody to play with. So we sit down and play. <laughs> so... The house doesn't get clean. Oh, well. <laughs> I know this little girl is going to be... She's in good hands here. She's safe. She doesn't have to worry about anything. Or if she's getting fed and laying there crying because nobody wants to give her a bottle. And for me to be there for her, helping her with her footsteps in life and in the Lord... And then when she gets older, that's a college age, that she makes good choices in life and always be, go, always go to church and always have faith. I want to be through that all the way through with her. So I now I'm going through legal process and eventually I will be adopting her. And she will be part of my family here. Well, I hope for the future that she uh, that she follows footsteps of being going to church. And I'm that's basically what I'm teach, teaching her is going to church, and the Lord loves her, and you have and have faith in the Lord because He will. you need he's there you just have to ask it's it's amazing what a little kid can do to change your life Amen. What a what a powerful story. Um, just such a great reminder of what happens when we choose to change someone's story. That little girl's life will be forever changed because of Nadine's open-hearted love, and Nadine's heart will forever be changed as well. We celebrate stories like that, and and uh, we, we as a church want to see God change more people's stories. 
Uh, speaking of, of, of that, um, 10 months ago, we as a church launched the For the City and Beyond vision that is about changing people's stories, impacting people's lives with the love of Jesus. And so, so many of you are investing financially or investing, in, in, investing relationally in this vision. And so we put together an update um, of some of the things that have been happening in each of these nine areas of focus over the last 10 months. And that update can be found in your newsletter. Um, and so I encourage you to take that home, check it out later, just to, and look it over just to as a reminder that your gifts um, towards for the city and beyond are making an impact. And that's just, this is just the first 10 months. I mean, that impact will continue to grow. And so I just thank you for, for your generosity. If you want more information about for the city and beyond, um, you can pick up a packet in the lobby uh, today. So our family loves watching Christmas movies. We have a list of Christmas movies. We try to watch every year, this time of year. And of course, one of them is Christmas story, which is the story of a of Christmas to the eyes of a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie who desperately wants a Red Ryder Carbon Action 200 model air rifle for Christmas. And he is warned by his mother and he's warned by his teacher and by the department store Santa that if he gets that gift, he will shoot his eye out. But that doesn't deter him, right? He longs for this gun, this BB gun. And so on Christmas morning, all the gifts are open. Looks like that he doesn't get what he had wanted. And then, of course, his dad surprises him with this air rifle. And he's so excited. He goes out side, he aims his new gun at a target, and he fires, and he shoots his eye out. No, uh, not really, but he knocks his glasses off, and then he proceeds to step on his glasses, and so all the initial excitement was quickly overtaken by reality. As you think back over your Christmases in your life, did you ever have a gift like that? <laughs> you know, something you really wanted, something you, you, you couldn't wait for Christmas morning to receive this gift. For me, it was this toy fire engine that, you know, that would shoot actual water out of the hoses. And I wanted that thing so badly. And sure enough, I, I got it. And, and uh, you know, after playing with it a while, water started, it was malfunctioning and water spilled everywhere. You know, my initial joy didn't really last. I'm sure all of us can relate to that at some level where the anticipated joy of a Christmas gift quickly dissipates. But what if I told you that this year under your Christmas tree was a permanent, was a permanent gift of joy just for you? A gift that wouldn't get broken, a gift that wouldn't ever lose the capacity to bring you joy no matter what your circumstances. I mean, that would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? A gift of permanent joy. <clears throat> it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? You know, in a world where the, the coolest iPhone will be um, outdated in six months, right? Um, in a world where joy seems to be more of a teaser than reality for people. The idea, the idea that, a gift, that, a, that a gift like this could be a, a permanent joy could be um, ours, that seems a bit unrealistic. And yet what we discover in the actual Christmas story is that this kind of joy is a reality. We, we are in the midst of an Advent teaching series entitled Everything is New. And what we're, what we're discovering um, in this series, what we're discovering is that when we truly understand what happened in the birth of Jesus, it makes everything new. It gives us a new hope, which we looked at two weeks ago. It gives us genuine peace, which KJ talked about last week. And it gives us a permanent joy, which is what we're going to talk about today. When we truly understand the meaning of Christmas, an amazing, confident joy will result. Now, I'm not talking about happiness. You know, a happiness is something that is, that's dependent upon circumstances. And because of that, happiness is fleeting. You know, happiness is kind of like a roller coaster. It's temporary. I'm not talking about that. And sometimes the meaning of Christmas gets reduced to that, especially if you watch too many Hallmark Christmas movies, okay? Um, and I, I'm not down on those movies. I mean, I've watched my share this, this season with Rayleigh or whatever. You know, we've watched uh, many of those. But often, if you notice, often the meaning of Christmas that they promote is it's all circumstantial. Meeting the right person. Snow falling at just the right moment outside, smiling, attractive faces, perfect weddings, you know, all of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's not what scripture offers us. The, the account of Jesus' birth is anything but happy. 
I mean, you've got a, a pregnant teenager facing the shame and the, and the ridicule of that, right? The community that's whispering and the scorn. You got pregnant, how? And then you got her fiance, Joseph, seriously consider, considering breaking the engagement off. And then, of course, there's this whole uh, uncomfortable journey to Bethlehem, uh, you know, being nine months pregnant. They didn't have a minivan. Um, and when they got there, there is no place to stay, no place to stay except for a stable in back. And then you have this jealous king who hears about uh, a special child being born, and he's so jealous about that and concerned about that, he just decides to kill every child under two years old. I mean, to describe the Christmas story as happy would be to totally ignore reality. The point of the story is not happiness, but it is about joy, which is something very different. We see this initial promise of joy I mean, the book of Isaiah, where 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah vividly describes the impact of this child being born. Now, in order, in order to fully understand the impact of this event, we need to look first at the verses right before it, before this coming is described. It is not pretty. And in many respects... It, is, it reads like a, a newspaper today, right? I mean, it, it describes our society today to a T. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 to 22. When, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instructions and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Wow, that's pretty bleak, right? That, that's pretty bleak. I mean, it, it is this vivid picture of people who are living in spiritual darkness, turning to the occult, consulting, consulting mediums and spiritists, which is increasing in our day. I mean, the number of television shows focused on the paranormal, focused on people contacting the dead. There's just a huge increase in these kinds of shows. Our society is searching for spiritual reality, and they're looking in some really bad places. Some really bad places. Isaiah describes the people, also describes the people who in their des desperate search for truth, they're ignoring the counsel of God. They're ignoring the counsel of God. Again, just like our society. When searching for truth today, where do we look? Google, right? Dr. Google. We, we go to Google. We do more Google searches, you know, when we're trying to find information about something than we do look to God's word. I mean, even though now we're discovering that many of these Google searches lead to false news, right? Um, to things that aren't true. And, and, and so Isaiah describes this desperate search for truth and meaning, which the people don't find. And then did you notice the answer? I mean, the, the result of that, when they don't find the, the, the answer, they don't find the truth, what's the, what's the result? Anger and fear is exactly what he says here, anger and fear. I mean, Isaiah's description here is a vivid description of where people are at in our world today. This is exactly where people are at. They are spiritually famished, and yet they're ignoring the invitation and the truth of God. And instead, they're, they're turning to all sorts of other unhelpful sources, desperately searching for meaning, but not finding it. And when they're not finding it, guess what? It results in a cursing of God. It results in despair. It results in anger and fear. I mean, this is us. This is our society right here. This is our society. And Isaiah makes it very clear, there is no joy in living that way. There is no joy in living this way. It is a life of gloom and emptiness and fear and darkness. Without God intervening, this is our reality. This is our reality without God intervening. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Look what Isaiah says next. Chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. 
In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness, we just read about them, walking in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. See, Isaiah is predicting, he's predicting that something is coming that will change all of this, something that will bring light into the darkness, that will bring joy instead of despair. And Isaiah mentions here that this something will come out of Galilee, which was very significant because Galilee was not viewed as being important at all. I mean, Jerusalem down south, now that's important, very important, not Galilee. I mean, Galilee was sort of how Denver people view Greeley, okay? Um, um, you know, but, but Isaiah, writing 700 years before the birth of Jesus, he says this new thing will come out of Galilee, sort of a Galilee unexpected, okay? Um, so, um, oh, come on, that was better. I reserved some laughs there. Um, <clears throat> and so that's exactly where Jesus comes from. He, he grew up in Galilee, not in Jerusalem, so what will he bring? Look at the next verse. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Joy. See, the Messiah will bring incredible joy. Increasing joy is what's being described here. A few verses later in this passage, Isaiah talks about how this Messiah, how, how this Messiah will come. It says, for to us, a child is born. Isaiah 9, verse 6. See, what is clear is that this entire experience of joy that's being described here, that this joy that replaces our gloom and despair, this entire experience of joy is bound up in a child being born. And so then we know from our vantage point that this is referring to Jesus. The birth of Jesus makes this amazing joy possible. And so this is why on the night that Jesus was born, um, the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The Greek word for great is, it's, 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 it's a word we recognize as the word mega, right? He's talking, literally, it's mega. Mega joy. <laughs> I bring you good news that will cause mega joy for all the people. The coming of Jesus brings mega joy, brings joy for everyone who embraces him, for everyone who receives him. But the question is how? How does the coming of Jesus impact your joy and my joy today? How does an event 2,000 years ago that was predicted? 2,700 years ago, how does that bring joy to us? Not just happiness. How does it bring permanent joy to our lives? How does it bring joy to the single person who desperately wants to be married? How does it bring joy to the married person who wishes they were single? Uh, how, how does it bring joy to the grieving widow, the grieving widow who is barely making it through this holiday season? Or the person who was just diagnosed with cancer. Or, 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 or just lost their job. Or the students at a high school where another suicide has happened. How, how does it bring joy to the teenager who's secretly wrestling with their sexuality? How, how do we, in the midst of our broken lives, experience this permanent joy? Well, Isaiah helps us answer this question. He gives us several reasons why in Jesus we can experience joy no matter what our circumstances. And there are two in particular, two reasons in particular that I want to highlight from this passage. Two, two vivid images that Isaiah gives to help us understand why the coming of Jesus can bring such joy to our lives. The first image is revealed in verse 4. Right after describing the incredible level of joy experienced by God's people, Isaiah then says this, next verse. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. See, what we see here is that we can have permanent joy because Jesus is a yoke shatterer. 
Jesus is a yoke shatterer. This imagery of a yoke is so powerful. A yoke was a beam that was placed on an animal as a means of controlling them and using them for labor. It was actually, I mean, it attached the animal to the burden that they were carrying. And so this yoke was a symbol of, of, of a burdensome servitude, of a, an oppressive kind of life. It was a, a symbol of this heavy weight that, that controls us and that binds us. Now, the people in Isaiah's day um, would have immediately applied this to their political situation, being oppressed by another country. But when, when Jesus came, it became clear that his, his objective was not politically related. It was not military related. The yoke that Jesus came to shatter in our lives is a spiritual yoke the yoke of sin and all the garbage that comes with it. Now, I realize that in our society today, um, people don't really think in categories of sin. And maybe some of you are here for the first time or you're new to church. Ah, oh, there they go again, talking about sin. Right? You know, sin is not a word that, that we hear used much except in the church. And so let me, just, let me just offer a different word that accurately describes sin. And, and the impact of sin, it's the word brokenness. So if you substitute, if you think, oh, I don't, the sin, whatever sin, you just substitute the word brokenness. Because the result of living a life on our own terms is brokenness. The result of living our life without God leading us, without obeying God, all that, it's brokenness. Broken relationships. It's broken identity. So many people today struggle with insecurity and, and shame. Deep down, here's the deal. Very few people admit it, but deep down, we all know there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with us. We're not fully together. And often there's this little voice inside that continually reminds us of that. Now, we can use psychological language to describe this. But you know what? We can also use biblical language to describe this. It's the same thing. We can use biblical language. The deep level of shame, the deep insecurity, the emptiness we experience, these are all, these are all symptoms and evidences of sin. They're evidences of sin. We are broken. We are trying to live our lives apart from God. We're broken in our sin. It wreaks havoc on us personally. It wreaks havoc on us relationally. I mean, the weight of brokenness is heavy. It is like a yoke. And yet often we pretend it's not there. It is on every human being. It is a yoke. So where, where do we turn to fix our brokenness? See, this is what everyone's asking in our society. I mean, they, not, they not may not be asking that way, but that's exactly what they're searching for. Where do we turn to get this yoke removed? I mean, that is the question that our society is desperately trying to answer, earnestly looking to things like sexual fulfillment. That's how I can lift this shame that I feel. Or, or, or substances that bring a temporary high. I mean, every one of us is born with this yoke of sin, this yoke of brokenness. And here's the deal. There is nothing in this world that can remove it. There's nothing that can remove it except Jesus. See, when Jesus came to earth, and then later he went to the cross to pay for our sins, and then he rose from the dead. Guess what? That, this yoke was shattered. This yoke we carry, this yoke of sin, this yoke of brokenness was shattered. This, this yoke that says, you'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. You're unworthy of love. You'll never break out of this addiction. You just don't measure up. God could never love you because of what you've done. All of those messages that sin speaks into our lives, Jesus shatters through the power of the cross and the resurrection, through the power of his love and his forgiveness given on the cross and then sealed through the resurrection. See, the message of Jesus, and a lot of people don't understand this. They say, oh, I know what Christianity all is. You, you, a lot of people don't, don't get this. The message of Jesus is not clean up your life and God will accept you. That's not the message. Get rid of that yoke on your own. Try really hard. Make yourself worthy. Make yourself acceptable. No, 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 no. The message of Jesus is, Come to me. <laughs> Come to me, Jesus says. I've paid for that yoke you carry. You don't have to carry it anymore. 
You don't have to carry it anymore. I forgive you for every sin you've committed. Rest in me. You don't have to carry that yoke of self-hatred. You don't have to carry that yoke of shame or that yoke any longer. You don't have to carry that any longer. He's a yoke shatterer. So what yoke do you carry? What yoke do you carry? What messages about your own brokenness or unworthiness are you hearing? I guarantee whatever yoke it is that we carry, it is a joy stealer. I guarantee. Whatever yoke we carry, it is a joy stealer. It is robbing you and me of the joy that Jesus offers us, the joy of living in his forgiveness and his grace permanently. Permanently. I mean, what, what, what difference might it make in your life or my life to every day take hold of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, to know that it's ours? What, what difference might it make if we allowed the love of Jesus to fill those broken places of our lives, those, those places of our, our sexuality that we feel shameful about, those addictions that we secretly battle? What would it look like to continually invite the loving presence of Jesus into those battles, into that shame? See, here, here's what would begin to happen. I know, I know from personal experience. Rather than these addictions and these areas of shame defining us and being our constant focus, suddenly we would experience Jesus' love in those places. And the result would be and will be a greater sense of joy and freedom. He, he shatters our yoke of shame. He shatters our yoke of sin. He shatters our yoke of condemnation, our yoke of worthlessness. And, 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 the, and, and that reality brings joy. It brings the thing that our society is so hungry for. It brings joy, no matter what our circumstances. This is not happiness. This is joy. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. Okay, yoke shatterer. Our second reason for joy is revealed in verse 6. Look at this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. This is such a beautiful description of Jesus. We can have permanent joy, not only because Jesus is our yoke shatterer. We can have permanent joy because Jesus is a personal, intimate friend. He's a personal, intimate friend. This word for counselor means one who advises. It's the word used in the Old Testament in Hebrews. Now, now he, Jesus further explains, later in the New Testament, Jesus further explains what this, this counseling looks like. In John 14, on the night before Jesus was to be betrayed, he said to his disciples, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another counselor. That, that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it doesn't see him, neither knows him. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Very important passage. Jesus is talking about how when he leaves the earth, he will send his Holy Spirit to live in us. And he makes it clear that the spirit he's describing here is his very presence in us. Did you notice that? He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to send you the spirit. I'm going to come to you. The spirit is the presence of Jesus in us. The, so the very presence of Jesus will live in us through his spirit. And Jesus refers to the spirit as counselor. Now, the word here can also be translated advocate or helper. I mean, think about what this means. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, his very spirit lives in you. And that spirit is eager to help you and to advise you and to encourage you and to comfort you and to speak to you. To speak to you. That's what counselors do. A silent counselor really isn't help, much help, Right? I know for Raylene and I, this truth, this reality, the spirit lives in us and wants to speak to us. This has brought so much joy into our lives, especially in the midst of difficulties. When a number of years ago, um, we began to learn how to hear, how to better hear the spirit speak to us, it dramatically changed our lives. 
I mean, as most of you know, we have a 15-year-old a son with, with a significant special needs. And when he was born, our world was turned upside down. We didn't, we didn't know what was up, what was, I mean, it just, it turned everything upside down for us. And every part of our life was upended. Our faith and our physical routine and our sleep schedule and our emotions, just every part of our lives. Well, sometime in, in the early part of that, my wife Raylene began to keep a journal, just writing down the things that she felt God was saying to her in prayer. And those words from, from Scripture and from the Spirit that she wrote down, those things became a, a, a lifeline for her. Pages and pages and pages of love notes from her Heavenly Father. For me, in, in some of the most difficult seasons of my life, the Spirit has spoken to me personally. Uh, one example, this last summer um, during my sabbatical, I, I was wrestling with just uh, some, uh, some issues and I took a three-day retreat, a three-day kind of a spiritual retreat. And, and um, one afternoon, as I was just spending time with the Lord, this, this question popped into my head, the, the, uh, a core question that had to do with my identity as a man. And it was a question that, that had settled into my subconscious for a long time. And it's, I had been answering in a particular way, just subconsciously answering in a particular way. And so I asked the Lord this question about my identity as a man because I felt him prompting this question. So I said, okay, how do you view me in this, in this area? And he began to just download. He just began to speak to me um, just some wonderful, loving words of affirmation that my soul needed to hear. I mean, I, I was weeping, and I was trying to write what I was hearing in my journal. And, and he had this scripture that I just, he, this specific scripture that came to my mind that was so clearly speaking to me. Um, it was just such a powerful, it was such a powerful experience. Um, I, I can't describe for you the joy that I experienced in that moment. And it wasn't a fleeting happiness that was dependent upon my circumstances. No, it was a deep level joy that has continued to sustain me. And it, and it wasn't just the words he spoke. It was and is the joy of knowing that I have a God like that. I have a God like that who loves me and who lives in me and who wants to speak to me. And you have a God like that too. You have a God like that too who loves you and who wants to speak to you. He is a wonderful counselor. Are you hearing his counsel? Are you seeking his counsel? Are you hearing his counsel? Are you learning to hear his voice? I mean, without this dynamic of an intimate relationship with God, Christianity would become very dull and very boring very fast. It just would. I mean, honestly... I think this is why people, a lot of young people today, seem to be leaving the faith after receiving Jesus earlier in their life. Maybe they received Jesus as a child, but you know, they're kind of leaving the faith. I think this is one of the reasons. It's because the Christianity they were taught was, was a Christianity of truth without intimate relationship. Know these truths um, about God, you know, and, 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 but it was... With, it was um, that was emphasized, knowing the truth without this intimate relationship. It's because they knew information about Jesus, but they never really learned to walk with him. That's what we're talking about here. Walking with Jesus. Walking with him. To, they never learned to cultivate an ongoing friendship with the Holy Spirit. I, I love the fact that it, our kids' connection ministry, our children's ministry, they're, they're, they're growing. They're, they're, they're learning. They're, they're wanting to, the children to learn how to hear the Spirit's voice. That that's normal. Even as children, they can learn this. I love that. And parents, I, I encourage you, teach your children. Invite them into how you're, what you're hearing God say and teach them that they can hear his voice. I mean, truth is, obviously, truth is vitally important, but that truth comes in the context of relationship. The spirit of truth who lives in us. Truth without that relationship, that's just religion. So you want to grow in your experience of joy as a continual reality? Cultivate 
a deeper experience with the Spirit of God, your constant companion. Talk with him about, just walk with him every moment of every day. Talk with him about the business decisions you're making. Talk with him. Invite him into the, 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 the meetings you have at work or at home or whatever. Just, just talk to him about the things you're, you're facing and the hopes you have and the dreams you have, the fears for the future, just the challenges you're facing. Just talk with him about these things and then listen to him. Let him speak his counsel into these areas. Let him speak to you. Let him speak to you about these things. Let him whisper to your soul how much he loves you and how he's with you. I guarantee doing that, doing that will open up a whole new dimension in your relationship with him and your level of joy. I guarantee it. If you want some more practical help on how to do this, how to hear the Spirit's voice. Let me mention a couple resources that we have around here. One is a book that I've written called More, When a Little Bit of the Spirit is Not Enough. It's all about how to cultivate a deeper experience with the Spirit without being weird. Um, and it's in our bookstore. It's on Kindle. Um, for 99 cents, actually, the ebook version is 99 cents. I've just kept it at that price just because I just want to get this resource in people's hands. So that has four chapters on how to hear the Spirit. Um, second resource, during our more weekend, um, I did a workshop. If you're not into reading or whatever and you want to watch a workshop or whatever, I did an hour-long workshop on how to hear the Spirit's voice, and you can find that on our webpage. That's from the more weekend um, in October. Now, there, there are lots of other ways, lots of other reasons that Jesus brings joy into our lives, but these two right here are huge. He is your yoke shatterer, and he is your wonderful counselor. The more you and I ponder and live in these realities, the more joy we will experience. Joy is, a, it is God's permanent gift to you because of Christmas. It's his permanent gift to you because of Christmas. I want to pray for us here um, for a moment in response to this. And then we're going to experience another joy-producing activity, which I'll explain in just a moment. But let's, let's, I want us to pray. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this season when we stop long enough. We're here at the service to stop long enough in the midst of the busyness to hear you speak Thank you for these amazing words written 700 years before Jesus was born. They are so relevant to us. Of the darkness and despair and emptiness of living apart from you. In fact, I want to I just stop right now because there may be some of you here, and you can just keep your head bowed. There may be some of you here, and that, the description Isaiah 8, that's your life. You are searching for truth, but you're searching in all sorts of other places rather than God. Maybe you're running from him, increasing anger, fear, darkness. You just, you just feel that closing in. And Jesus is saying, you know, stop running and just come to me. I came to earth for you. I love you. Let me into your life to transform you. So that's the invitation, but, but it means we got to stop running and we got to choose him, choose this Messiah. So if that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, this Messiah. I need my sins forgiven. I want to get on track with truth. If that's you and you've never placed your trust in Christ before, I want to lead you right now in an opportunity to do that. So just pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are holy, and I'm not. And I, I realize that I'm not holy. I'm, I'm, I've run doing my own thing. I've tried to live my life apart from you, and it's not pretty. I realize how my sin, my brokenness separates me from you. You're whole and I'm just broken. And there's nothing I can do to fix this. But I'm hearing that you had all along in your plan for a Messiah to come. And Jesus, you were that Messiah. You came to earth. You lived a perfect life and then you died on the cross 
for me. You paid the penalty I should have paid. You took my sin. You took my brokenness upon yourself. The condemnation, the judgment I deserved. You took that. You died in my place. And then you rose from the dead. I'm so thankful. Jesus, I choose right now to place my trust in you. Not in my own ability. I place my trust in you. I bring you all my sin and brokenness and fears and failures and questions and doubts. I just bring it all to you. And, I, and the messes I've made, I just place them on your shoulders. And in exchange, I receive your forgiveness and your life. And I ask you, wonderful counselor, come live in me through your precious spirit. Change me from the inside out. God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in this relationship with you. Pray for that. And I want to pray for all of us here, God, all of us here who know you, who have prayed a prayer like that at some point. We know you live in us, but I pray for us to walk in joy. To walk in the joy of knowing that you are our yoke shatterer. That we don't have to carry around this yoke of condemnation, this yoke of guilt and shame. <laughs> that you took that for us. So we give you that yoke and we take yours. Yours is easy. And you help us. Lord, thank you for being our yoke shatterer. We want to walk in the, in the, in the fullness of your grace and your freedom. And the joy that comes from that. Mm. I just pray for yokes to be lifted now. By you. All across this room. All across just those watching this message online. Just yokes broken now in Jesus' name. And the joy of walking with you. And I pray too, this, this reality of you being wonderful counselor. I pray that for each one of us here that we would know you as a God who, who lives in us and who speaks to us. And so I want to pray for each one of us here that, that we would continue to grow in our ability to hear your voice. And I pray there may be some here and they're walking through some difficult things and, and they just, they've been talking to you about these things, but they've not stopped long enough to hear you. And so I want to pray for us all to learn how to make time to listen to your voice and to welcome you into business meetings, to welcome you into planning things, to welcome you into vacations, to welcome you into all these things, our everyday lives, we would welcome you in as a personal friend and you would speak to us. And we as a congregation, we as individuals here, we would learn how to walk with you and in the confident joy that results from that. God, help us do that. Mm, thank you, Lord. You're such a good God. Such an incredible Messiah. And we just pray, as Isaiah says here, you would enlarge our joy. You would enlarge our experience of joy all across this room where just more joy poured out. Mm, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, well, speaking of joy, uh, today is our child blessing weekend, um, where every child in this building um, is going to receive a blessing. They're going to have a blessing spoken over them. We do this twice a year. So what is this? Why do we do this? What's it all about? <clears throat> Let me explain. Several months ago, I was thinking about child dedications and how we typically do child dedications and what the purpose is. And so I started looking at scripture, and I realized there's really no biblical precedent or requirement for an official um, one-time child dedication. Um, what seems to be a greater emphasis in the Bible is the incredible privilege of blessing children, of speaking a blessing over our children, our grandchildren, not just once, but repeatedly. This was the pattern in the Old Testament given to parents. And it was also something that Jesus did in Mark chapter 10 when he was hanging around kids. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that there is a spiritual impartation that occurs when we speak a blessing upon children. So I had this radical idea. What if instead of continuing to do child dedication the way we had been doing it, a few parents coming up front with new babies or whatever, and we pray for them. What if we created an opportunity for every parent 
to feel empowered to express value and blessing upon their child or every grandparent to do it for their children? What if we equipped and encouraged parents to regularly speak a blessing over their child? That seems to be more the biblical model. So we decided, let's do this. Let's have two weekends a year where we bring in all the children in to the worship to join us in worship. And then we lead the parents or the grandparents or whoever is with that child. We lead them to speak a, a blessing over that child. Um, real-time blessing right now. Um, our hope is that this um, powerful practice will continue in people's lives. And I've heard a number of stories of how this has impacted families. Parents are like, thank you for telling me about that. I've started to do it with my child every night before they go to bed. I've had other grandparents say, hey, my, my teenage granddaughter asked me to do this for her whenever we're together. This, you know, she wants this to happen. Children are asking for this. It's such a easy thing, but such a powerful thing to do. And again, that's our heart that we would equip. It's not just, oh, today it's, we would equip parents and grandparents. This would be a continual thing to regularly declare and impart a blessing upon their children and grandchildren, which can have a huge impact on their children's lives. And so, so the church then becomes a place where parents are equipped and encouraged to regularly do this amazing thing, which I think is what the church is to be about, right? Um, so here's what's going to happen. In a minute, um, we're going to stand. The worship team is going to lead us in a worship song. And when, when they start that song, I'm going to ask every parent here, um, or if you're a grandparent with grandchildren here or whatever, every parent to go get your child. So parents of tiny touch children, you can go directly where you checked in your child, um, your children, and bring them back in. Parents of Kids Connection kids, just go into the lobby. You don't have to, to go Kids Connection. Just go into the lobby. Our leaders have brought them into the lobby to make picking them up easier. And so parents, you do need to bring your child's sticker or whatever, because we're going to be checking them out the same way as usual. We want this to be safe and secure. So for the next 10 minutes, in light of that next 10 minutes, no one will be allowed to leave this building with a child because we want this to be safe and secure. So once you pick up your children, bring them back in here. We're going to be singing in here. Bring them back in here with you or we'll be worshiping. Um, if you need to spread out a little bit, feel free to do that. When everyone's back in the room, I'm going to come back up after that song. I'm going to come back up and we're going to bless every child in this room. It's going to be an awesome thing. Even if you don't have children, you don't want to miss this, okay? Um, this is going to be really, really cool. Um, um, and so, so why don't we stand Let's stand and uh, we're going to sing a worship song. Parents, go get your kids and bring them back in for an awesome experience. Amen. Okay, why don't you, you can go ahead and sit down. Let me just kind of uh, just say a little, a little explanation about what's happening here. For you children here, you may be wondering, why are you being brought into big church, um, the big worship center? The reason is because we think you are awesome and special, and we want you to know that. And we also want you to receive a really cool blessing from God. And that blessing is going to come through your parents or your grandparents or some other person who loves you. The Bible encourages your parents to regularly speak words of blessing over you because these words can help fill your heart with more of Jesus' love and, and power. So in just a moment, your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa <clears throat> or someone who loves you, is gonna, loves you a lot is going to place a hand on your head and they're going to speak a blessing upon you. Um, so that's what's going to happen. Um, the way this is going to work, um, we're going to start with one child. Doesn't matter how old they are. They may be 30, okay? Um, if you're with them, you can speak a blessing upon them. And then we're just going to repeat this so that each child can get blessed. The, 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 the blessing we're to use is a blessing that I spoke over my kids when they were growing up in our home every night um, before bed. It's found in Numbers 6, 24 to 26. We're going to bring the verse up on the screen. And so what we're going to do is um, um, we're going to say this verse. The verse will be up on the screen, I think, here. Um, um, we're going to we're, we have a handout. If you want more information about this in the lobby, um, there are some other verses that you may want to use as a parent um, and some other information about, baptism, uh, about blessing. And so we have um, created a little um, info sheet. So um, if this is new to you or want some more information as a parent or grandparent, take that um, uh, later on as you leave. You can grab those at the information area. And so it has some other verses on here. But this is the verse that we're going to use tonight. So why don't we, why don't we stand again, um, if we could, let's just, just to kind of relax here um, and to get moving here. So start with, um, start with the first child, parents who have a child, grandparents or whatever, start with the first child. Those are the rest of you. Just kind of enjoy this moment as these children are being blessed, okay? Um, and so... <clears throat> 
We're going to walk through, put your hand on your first, first child or whichever one, hand on the head, and let's declare this blessing over them, okay? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, next child. Hand on their head. Here we go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Next child. You may be running out. You can turn to an adult child or whatever, but that's okay. We're just pouring out blessings here. So here we go. <clears throat> now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll do it one more time here. If you got more, we'll take a few moments here so you can get all of them done. But let's do one more for sure together. Here we go. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll take just a moment. If you have more than four children, go ahead and do the rest of them. We'll give you just a moment to do that. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so see how easy that is, and it can have a huge impact. So make this a regular practice. You can use this blessing um, we just used. You can use others or on the handout. Um, and again, what I've done over the years is just before bed, when I put my kids to bed, I just pray for them, pronounce this blessing. Um, pray for them, and then I pronounce the blessing. So let's pray together. I want to pray as well and pray through a few things here, and then we're going to do one more song together, kids, and everyone together, and then I'll come back up and dismiss us. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for the opportunity to bless these amazing children, to speak and impart blessing upon them. And I just pray for parents here to continue, grandparents to continue to use this to bless their grandchildren, bless their children, speak blessing over them. I pray, Lord, for those who have lost children, for those who, this is a heavy thing, it brings to mind children, they've lost children who have passed away. Lord, and we, we just pray for their hearts to be comforted right now in that. We pray for those who, um, those are parents who have adult children and their children are not walking with you. And we want to pray, Lord, for these parents, that you would fill them with your peace and you would lift any parental guilt they feel. And we just pray that you would move this tonight to speak a blessing, even in, not even in the presence of their kids, but just to keep blessing their children, believing that you're going to draw them to yourself. And we are asking that you draw these children to yourself, Lord. We pray for those here who are wanting to have children. Wanting maybe to have them want to, uh, to adopt children. Lord, we pray for your provision and your grace in the midst of that wanting, Lord, and that desire. And we pray for those who have children who aren't here. And maybe they spoke that blessing just um, um, with those children in mind. God, we pray blessing on those children. And so thank you for this opportunity, for the blessing that you are to us, Lord, and the opportunity to bless others. So set us free now um, as a congregation to worship you. One more song here, God, that speaks of your amazing joy. So thank you. Pour out your joy as we sing this to you, God.